Dominic, Dominic, Dominic. Highly contested. T3 on the track. The Texas high. Highly contested. It's getting wild. Highly contested. If you wanna talk the talk, then you better walk the walk. Get the facts, show the stats. Act like radios are off. The Texas high. Highly contested. It's getting wild. Highly contested. If you wanna talk the talk, then you better walk the walk. Get the facts, show the stats. Hello and welcome to Highly Contested. This podcast covers some of the hottest topics in the world of football and basketball, where our crew gives our highly contested takes on these topics and supports our takes with the big facts. I'm Andrew, and I'm here with George, Joe, and Eric. George, how are you doing today? Doing great, man. Friday, getting ready for that weekend. Gonna, you know, hang out with the boys, probably play some volleyball. You know how we do it here at Highly Contested. How are you doing? Uh, you know exactly how we do it. Eric, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. Finna play some sports, you know, on Saturday and uh, serve hot L's. We'll see. Joe, how you doing? I'm doing all right on this feel-good Friday. Looking forward to the weekend. Joe, did you get that PS5? Shut up, dog. <laughs> it's a touchy subject, man. It's a touchy subject right now. All it's right? a sport in itself. Uh... All right. Well, some of our feature topics today include was Isaiah Thomas taking shots at Jordan and the Bulls in his interview with Shannon Sharp? Where do we see Russell Westbrook landing if he is traded from the Rockets? And our crew here picks the NFL team that has impressed us the most this season. Let's dive headfirst into it here on Highly Contested. We're going to start with the NBA in a recent interview with Hall of Fame tight end Shannon Sharp and also Fox Sports analyst Shannon Sharp, by the way, Isaiah Thomas talked about his competition in the NBA and seemed to take a shot at Jordan and the Bulls, saying, head-to-head, I was dominant over him when our teams met until 91 when I basically had career-ending wrist surgery. My record against him and his team, it really wasn't competition. My focus was bird magic dr j kareem so george was isaiah thomas taking shots at jordan and the bulls with that statement yeah i I would say isaiah thomas was taking a shot at jordan it seems like these two are always taking shots at each other we we understand their little feud and rivalry going way back and we're able to relive it through the last dance but uh isaiah thomas he does make a great point he isn't really wrong, but it does come off the wrong way as him taking a shot at Jordan. Uh, we, like I said, we know the history between these two. They don't really like each other. Uh, early in Michael's career, they would literally beat him up and pick on him by the Pistons. He had a hard time against them, as we saw. Head-to-head during the regular season, these two played 43 games against each other. And Isaiah Thomas holds the lead with 24 to 19 over Michael Jordan. And during the playoffs, they played each other 22 times. Isaiah Thomas holds that record over him too, 12 to 10. And then if we look when Isaiah Thomas did have that wrist injury that did hurt his career back in January of 1991, and we look at the record to that point, Isaiah Thomas had a 21 to 11 lead on the win losses over Michael Jordan. It wasn't until then where Michael Jordan was, he won eight out of three. Um, Isaiah Thomas, his team 
they they were better in those few years before Michael Jordan was established. And to the point that he brings up where it was Magic Bird, Dr. J, Kareem, uh, those were the guys that were dominating and winning championships to that point. So that was who he was after, you know, and MJ, he got drafted three years later. You know, Isaiah Thomas got drafted in 1981. MJ got drafted in 1984. So they he got drafted three years later. So MJ wasn't really established yet making those championship runs to that point. So he makes a good point, but it does come off, you know, as him taking a jab at MJ, which we've seen both of them take jabs at each other, you know, throughout their career and post-career. So that that's what I got to say to that. Eric, what are your thoughts on... uh Isaiah Thomas and the comments he made. Yeah, I definitely say it's a jab, but uh, he's also right though, because I mean, what he said is correct saying that his competition was more of Larry bird and the magic Johnson's of their day. That is totally true because as you know, obviously the shine and out of the prime of the MJ's and birds and Isaiah Thomas's then came, you know, Matt, uh, Michael Jordan. So, um, Michael Jordan, obviously being the younger, younger player and making obviously the nineties his, um, so yeah, he's true in that aspect of his comment, but you know, looking at this, this whole thing, yeah, it's a salty type of comment. I see it as, um, to me, it's Isaiah Thomas to MJ is kind of what Paul Pierce is to LeBron. It's just constant jealousy. Um, eventually just basically because, uh, he made their teams or these two greats, LeBron and Jordan made them irrelevant, their teams irrelevant after the fact. And, uh, I mean, it also stems from, uh, Michael Jordan, uh, not getting off his, obviously a handshake after one of the finals games, um, or not finals game. Sorry. Uh, it was a Eastern conference finals game. He didn't get the handshake from Isaiah Thomas. Their team just ran out because they were butthurt. They ran straight to the locker room, you know, and then also MJ, getting back to him and not putting him on the dream team. Of course, MJ had a lot of say to that. So, uh, you know, they, they had a little bickering back and forth, and this is just another bickering going on another decade here. Um, is it something that he's MJ is going to sweat over? No, he's probably not even going to comment. MJ don't comment usually on stuff like this. He ain't worried about it. He, he said all he had to say in the past and also on uh, um, the new show that came out with that about all about MJ pretty much in the Bulls. So he had all he had to say about it. Everyone knows MJ's obviously one of the goats, dude. Like, if you don't say he's number one, he's obviously he's got to be number one, number two, or number three, and that's it. So, um, you know, that's just what it is. It's a small little jab. Nothing comes. Nothing big is coming out of this. Joe, what are your thoughts? Yeah, um, I really haven't heard anything about this. I basically. What you guys are uh, saying, I'm I'm hearing it for the first time. So, just from what I just heard out of Eric and uh, George, um, you really can't step up to MJ, and MJ ain't gonna fire back. So, I think Isaiah is just looking for some attention, some irrelevancy, you know. So, Drew, what do you think? I got to tell you guys, I'm I'm a little disagreeing with you guys on this. And the reason why I'm saying it is because here's the thing. I don't think he was taking shots. I think he was just telling the truth. Uh, we know that the bad boys were always they were they were always that type of team that they just, you know, they they showed you how it was and they told you how it was. And that mentality 
obviously stemmed a lot from the big, you know, the bigger players on that squad, like the power forwards and the centers, you know, like, uh, <clears throat> and not really so much from Isaiah Thomas, but Isaiah Thomas was the leader of that team. It is the truth. And he, he was talking about, you know, he was talking about how the Pistons were just a force in the late eighties, pretty much because let's, you know, let's remember that's when the Pistons were in their prime. And that's when the Pistons were, you know, hungry, wanting championships, won their championships. They weren't a force after the late eighties and, and you know, like they started declining early nineties. And so during the Pistons' window of greatness, Jordan and the Bulls weren't a force. This was, again, late 80s. 1988 was the first time these guys meet in the playoffs. It was a semifinals matchup, and the Pistons beat the Bulls in five games. Following year, the Bulls and Pistons meet in the Eastern Conference Finals, with Detroit winning again in six. The following year, Detroit won in seven, Eastern Conference Finals again. Then, in 1991, like George talked about, Isaiah Thomas had his wrist surgery, uh, sorry, his wrist injury, and that really was the beginning of the end for his career. He was just never the same after that. And the Bulls and Pistons would meet again in the Eastern Conference Finals that year. And the Bulls swept them. So overall, the record leading up to his wrist surgery in the playoffs was 12-6 and six in favor of the Pistons. And not only that, but the Pistons won every single matchup. So therefore, Thomas is correct in stating that it wasn't competition for him, his eyes were on the Celtics and the Lakers because the Celtics and the Lakers were the proverbial titans of the league at that point in the late 80s. So I think that it's not a shot because I think he was referring to the Bulls as more of like they were just they were a team that hadn't proved themselves yet when the Celtics and the Lakers had proved them had proven themselves multiple times. And that's who the Pistons were trying to beat down. That's, that's why I believe that it's not a shot. I think it's just him telling the truth how it is. So I know that Eric, you were talking about, Oh, like he didn't, uh, he didn't shake Jordan's hand. Well, it's not like Jordan was extending his hand for Thomas to shake after that, after that sweep. No, and, but they're all waiting in line. Like they always do. Uh, that's they not what that's not what I saw in the videos on the footage. But anyway, uh, Jordan, he we know that he has the fattest of grudges. I mean, we saw that clear as day. I mean, he takes a lot of things personally, and to this day, he still has a big grudge on Isaiah Thomas. And I think it's interesting because I was actually watching an interview of Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman, and they both have a ton of respect for each other, but they both hated each other clearly when Rodman was on the Pistons. And Rodman basically confirms kind of what I said. They had their minds on the Celtics at the time, but he mentions that the hungrier the Pistons got, the hungrier the Bulls got too. Even Pippen says that the Pistons, uh, and this is, you know, quote unquote, knocked down all the dominoes for the Bulls which he was referring to the Celtics and Lakers. And the Pistons were the biggest challenge for the Bulls. And this is Pippen, by the way. He even said that if you were able to beat the Pistons, you were going to win the championship. 
So I think that Jordan hates them so much because he understands how difficult it was to get past the Pistons. And I think, you know, he respects them and he really is thankful because the Pistons toughened that entire Bulls team, both mentally and physically. But I know that, you know, he he respects the Bulls, te- the Pistons team, which is why he hates them so much, because he knew that they were great and he knew that they were an obstacle that he had to pass. What do you think, George? Yeah, I mean, I think two things can be true. So I think Isaiah Thomas can say a fact and also be taking a shot at MJ. And we've seen, like I said, both of them, we've seen Isaiah Thomas do it time and time again, you know, because he's on a lot of these sports shows where he gets the opportunity to talk. And anytime Jordan's even in a conversation that he's there for, he throws shade at MJ and you know, like I said, we, we know their history. Eric brought up, you know, the handshake, the dream team. So, you know, we, we understand their feud. And, you know, Isaiah Thomas, he does what he can to take these little jabs at him. And, uh, you know, we, we talked about his wrist injury, but he also had that torn Achilles injury that ended his career. So he only got to play those 13 seasons. His career was cut short. And, you know, who knows if he didn't have those injuries, how this rivalry could have shaped up, you know, further on. But definitely think those two things can be true. He can be saying a fact, you know, that his teams were more dominant than MJ's. And, you know, we looked back and, you know, he holds the edge over him early on in the career before his injuries. Um. So, yeah. What are your thoughts, Eric? Yeah, I agree with that because I was saying um... – that obviously it was some shade in there, but he was also saying a fact, like I said, like he said his competition was um, bird and magic. So, I mean, he, like I said, he wasn't wrong in, in the whole comment. It's just that he might be throwing a little bit of shade, which is fine. You know, this happens all the time. I think that the reason why a lot of people think that it's shade being thrown is because of the fact that Jordan clearly didn't appreciate the fact that, you know, the, the bad boys had these quote unquote Jordan rules for him, which, uh, it, which they did mention was just something that they kind of made up as a, uh, as a way to psychologically try to, you know, limit the bulls or try to put, you know, keep the bulls in their place. But I think that when you think about the, the fact that, you know, Jordan doesn't want, didn't want Isaiah Thomas on that 92 Olympics team USA team. I think, I think that's the biggest, I think that's the biggest thing because that kind of, that kind of showed that there was a lot of hate on Jordan's side towards Isaiah Thomas and just the Pistons in general. And I think that that's why a lot of people believe that Isaiah throws shade when I think he's honestly just speaking the truth. We're going to transition to the modern NBA. Rumor has spread that the Houston Rockets are shopping their star point guard, Russell Westbrook. Rumors have also spread that certain teams have an interest in the point guard who turns 32 today. Happy birthday, Russell Westbrook. So, George, where do you see Russell Westbrook landing if traded from the Rockets? Yeah, this is an interesting trade rumor that surfaced because I thought this dynamic duo of James Harden and Russell Westbrook would try and stick together for a while. 
but it seems like there's two major factors going into this. So one of them is the direction the team is going in. Both Westbrook and James Harden have voiced their opinions about that. So they lost Daryl Morey, who played a huge role in how the Rockets are constructed and how they operate. Then they also lost their head coach in Mike D'Antoni and then replaced him with a rookie head coach in Steven Silas, who isn't young. He's been around the league for a long time, but as far as being a head coach, you know, this is his first head coaching job. And then the second point, which I think is huge and is kind of flying under the radar, is that Westbrook said he wants to be a playmaker again. So this is important because we have seen now multiple players that have played with James Harden and criticized his style of play. And if you watch the games, then you know James is dribbling the air out of the ball and he's making plays. Uh, I have two teams in mind that I think Russ would fit in with, with his style of play a Western Conference team and an Eastern Conference team. I'm just going to start with one. If we got time for the second one, then I'll bring up the second one. But the first one that I think he would fit in with is a team that Joe and I talked about when we talked about the Chris Paul uh, possible trade, and that's the Suns. I think Russ would actually fit better with this team than Chris Paul. He's a dynamic point guard who can complement the solid young core with Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, and they got a great coach in Monty Williams. And when I look at Russell Westbrook, he does almost everything at an elite level. I'm talking about hustle plays, rebounding, playmaking, driving to the basket, leaving everything he has out on the court, giving it 110%. The one area where he lacks and does receive criticism is his shooting. And that's why I think he'd be a nice fit here on the Suns. The Suns, they got players who can shoot. And uh, Russ can get them easy buckets when he's slashing and playmaking. And the defense is going to have to focus on him. There, you know, And you leave, you know, when, when he's slashing, he's going to get Devin Booker open shots or anyone who's, who can shoot. Um, this was also a team that was borderline of making the playoffs in the highly contested Western Conference. And they went 8-0 and in the bubble. So adding a dynamic player like Russ would definitely elevate them. I'd say middle of that playoff picture. Eric, what are your thoughts on this trade rumor? Um, this is a pretty good trade rumor. Uh, it, what it sounded like is that he does want to leave, but he also sounds like he wouldn't mind staying from what I heard from a few sources. But to me, it looks like it's not going to work out in Houston. Houston's a very weird, difficult place to be. And I feel like not many players would mesh well with with Harden, at least not all-star players. He needs a lot of more playmakers. Uh, I'm not too sure how that goes on in Houston. But the teams that are rumored around to uh, look for a trade for someone like Westbrook is, of course, which ugh, the Knicks, they always end up in the conversation somehow. I think that's kind of a joke, but the Clippers are probably, you know, up there and uh, the Pistons as well. And also the Hornets. I honestly don't believe the Clippers want to make this move. I don't think it's a good move. Um, I would say Chris Paul would be a better matchup with that, but I just, I don't see the Clippers giving away pieces. Like they're, they have a really great bench and everything. And the only way you're going to get Westbrook is depleting that bench. So I don't think that makes the team any better like a stalemate um now the pistons they don't really have much to move either um they got rid of their big man to cleveland 
this last season. Who uh, so he, Drummond? He's not there anymore. So all you really have there is Blake Griffin, and I'm pretty sure you know no one's really gonna want Blake Griffin with his injuries that he always has, and you know he's not the player that he used to be. Um, though one team I think can happen, which makes sense but doesn't make sense, would be the Charlotte Hornets. So um, I think Michael Jordan, being the uh, president and you know owner of the Charlotte Hornets and having the Jordan brand there and everything, Westbrook is signed to the Jordan brand. So I think Michael Jordan would love to have Westbrook here. And I think he would really try to trade something to have him there with some young pieces around there. Yeah. The Charlotte has the only way Westbrook gets moved is if a team is willing to get rid of some young pieces, AKA like if George brought up, uh, brought up the Suns, they have a lot of young pieces there and good pieces. um, Some veteran pieces as well, but a lot of young pieces to move around. Um, someone like the Indiana Pacers as well have some young pieces that can move around, maybe uh, get rid of Olo Depot and maybe some other guys, and maybe match Westbrook with Miles Turner and all those guys. Um, but having Westbrook on the Hornets would be great for sales, I would say. Would it be great for making a playoff run, eighth seed at the best? I think they would be first round exits as well. There's not going to be anyone really there, and I don't know if that's going to bring anybody there to play with them, to be honest. So it's kind of a shaky Westbrook is one of these shaky players where I just don't know, you know, who could play with him and who is who he going to bring and, you know, what's the vibes going to be. It's I get the same vibes from like James Harden sometimes, but I think James Harden's worse when it comes to this. But uh, I just don't know where to put Westbrook, especially when teams like the Clippers, who seem to be pretty interested, are just they they have nothing to trade. All their picks are gone from getting Paul George and and, uh, you know, players like I know Kawhi came in free agency but in general like the 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 Clippers are depleted for their future so they can't trade future picks so I I only see a team like Charlotte you know having a bunch of these picks and stuff able trying to get someone like Westbrook but I just don't know how this whole thing ends we'll just have to wait and see how about you Joe you have anything on this yeah Westbrook um leaving the Rockets should it should be the right decision for his career even though it would have to be in trade. He wants to be the go-to guy on the team and the face of a team. He he can't do that with the Rockets because James Harden already solidified that role for the Rockets. Yeah, I heard that the Clippers are the team that's try, trying to make it a push for him, but he won't be that guy on the Clippers because, like you guys said, there's Kawhi there, there's Paul George there, so he won't be that, that guy. So I, I look for a team that, he could be the uh, face of, and I see the Hornets, Pistons, Pacers, and the Suns, and of course the Knicks because they always need something and always in talks for every player. Those are the teams that I can see that he actually be the face of because that's what he wants. He wants to be that guy. He wants to have the ball in his hands. He wants to take that last shot. Oh, four second, four uh, four, four seconds to, uh, down by two. He wants that shot, and. I believe if he if the Rockets do trade him, he should be good to go to one of these teams. The problem I think with Restbrook is he doesn't really fit into a lot of these contender teams, in my opinion. The rumors that I'm hearing are he's gonna get traded to the Clippers, but I don't think that's a good fit. Let's be real. 
George, you alluded to this, said uh, Westbrook wants the ball. In my opinion, I think he needs the ball in his hands in order to be successful. The thing is, though, if we're talking about the Clippers, you already have Kawhi, Paul George, Lou Williams, and you know some of those other pieces as well. It just doesn't make sense for them to go out and get a guy like Westbrook, whose play style has proven multiple times not to... <clears throat> Uh, in my opinion, it, his play style has proven multiple times that he needs the ball in his hands in order to be successful. And I think it would be a problem that they would have to try and solve. They already have Ty Lewis coach with, you know, Joe, both you and I, we believe that that wasn't the right move because of how passive he is and the fact that there still won't be discipline on the team. I think going after a guy like Westbrook, who, you know, many believe to be uncoachable will only hurt their chances I would go as far as to say as if the Clippers did make that trade, it would be the team's undoing. I think he's, I think in my opinion, he's going to, if he does get traded, I think a good fit for him would be one of these non-contender teams. At this, I feel like at this point in his career, he's not going to be, he's only going to, because his, his play style, you know, is predicated on athleticism and, we don't know how long his athleticism is actually going to last. And, you know, you, I mean, you know, you hope that it goes as long as, you know, it can, but we know that, you know, we know that Westbrook has already had, you know, a couple injuries in his career. It's not like he's, it's not like he's, you know, LeBron James or something where LeBron James, he was Iron Man for the longest time. Didn't have an injury until last year. And, So I just feel like, you know, athleticism is heavily predicated on whether or not, you know, he's going to be stay athletic. And I think, you know, at this point, I just like I just mentioned earlier, he turns 32. I just don't feel like a contending team would push to trade for him at this point in his career. Yeah, so I mean a couple points. Um you know, I'm not I'm not sure what the Clippers could offer up in a trade cuz they did give up a lot for Paul George when they traded for Paul George. And you know, Eric, I think that was a really good pick with the Hornets, you know, they got the Jordan brand and all that going on. But I do think he could get them higher than an 8 seed. We saw him, you know, when Kevin Durant left single-handedly when he was by himself, he was able to take um OKC to a six seed in that first year in 2017. And then in 2018, they were the four seed. So, you know, Westbrook, he's that good. Obviously, you know, to win a championship or make a championship type run, he's not going to be able to do it alone. But like on a team like the Hornets, I think he could get them to a higher than an eight seed, definitely in the playoffs. Um, And then back to the Kawhi point that you guys were making, you know, Kawhi, he doesn't want the ball in his hands the entire game. You know, he's made it clear he wants a playmaker on the team to take some of that load off him, and which Russ can definitely do. But like I said, I don't know what they would be able to give up for Russ because they gave up a lot for um, Paul George in their in that trade. So, and, you know, Drew, you're saying that Westbrook needs the ball in his hands. Well, let's remember he is the point guard. So point guards usually do have the ball in their hands. But he's a great playmaker also. So it's not like every time he has the ball, he needs to score. So definitely think all that goes in there. 
Yeah, and <clears throat> like I said, I I wasn't saying he needs to score. I was saying he needs the ball in his hands, which is true because he, you know, that's his style of play. And not every, you know, not every single point guard is that type of, you know, guard where, you know, the the offense just runs through them. And, you know, we've seen that a few times. I, to your point, you said you mentioned Kawhi, they want a playmaker. That's, I think, why the rumors of them signing Rondo was a big deal, because I think that Rondo could fill in that role very nicely. And I think that Rondo would be a smarter sign slash, you know, whatever it is. I think I think it'd be a smarter pickup for the Clippers than getting Russell Westbrook, especially if you have to trade for Russell Westbrook. Yeah, I mean, that's the other thing, you know, it's a trade. So Russell Westbrook, he's not going to have all the power in the world to decide where he goes to in a trade. You know, you could get traded anywhere. You know, we, we saw, for example, Kawhi, when he wanted to get out of San Antonio, he wanted LA. They sent him out of the country to Toronto. So, you know, it, it's going to be a trade. So who knows where he ends up? I do have another team in there that I, I might want to mention, but I'll let you guys, you know, finish up real quick. And then if we got time, then I'll mention my other team. I don't know if you guys have any more comments to add on. No, I think go for it. All right. I got another team that I think he would fit in with. So for many of the same reasons that I mentioned, I think he'd fit in with the Suns. going to be the same reason he'd fit in with this team. And this team is the Miami Heat. So this team, they got great shooters. They were top two in the league when it did come to three-point shooting. And when we talk about the Miami culture, Jimmy Butler definitely has that in him. But so does Russell Westbrook. You know, these are two players that love to win, compete, and they give it their all when they're on the court. Both players have that Mamba mentality in them, led with a great organization and head coach in Spolstra. This is a team that made it to the finals. But they're going to have a harder time making it back to the finals if they don't add another great piece to complement Jimmy Butler because the East is going to get better. The Nets will be healthy. They got Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. The Bucks will be at the, a top seed again, and we'll have to see if they make any huge moves to improve. And then, you know, who knows what the 76ers are going to look like with their new additions to the team. So I think. Russell Westbrook would fit in there. Obviously, I mean, it kind of depends on the trade. You know, I know we were kind of talking pre-podcast, you know, if they were to get rid of uh, Tyler Hero and all these other players. Well, yeah, if you lose a lot of your great shooters, then maybe it doesn't fit in. But if I'm just looking at the team that keeps their great, some of their good shooters on the team, I think that that complements Russell's attributes and then he also compliments Jimmy Butler in two players that really want to win and have that mentality to go out there and compete, give it their all every given day. I'm I'm not so sure about that one. And you know, you mentioned that you mentioned one thing that I noticed about both those teams. You said, okay, the Suns and the Heat, they both got shooters. Well, he was on a Rockets team that had all the shooters that they you could possibly need on a team. And Westbrook's weakness was still exposed by the Lakers and where they left him alone at the three-point line. I feel like I, I feel like you have to take that in consideration when you're considering, oh, like he just needs good shooters around him. Yeah. Well, 
I mean, he definitely needs shooters around him because that is like the one area that he lacks in. But I think when it comes to the Rockets, it was bigger than that. You know, they were just undersized. You know, the biggest guy they had on the court was what PJ Tucker at six, five. So that team just got exposed on many different levels. And then if you don't have someone that can go out there and get those rebounds because you're undersized and yeah, it's playoff basketball. So you're going to exploit some of the opponent's weaknesses. So if that's shooting, you're going to let them shoot. And then, you know, they don't have a big to go grab those rebounds. So that's, you know, double the advantage right there. So you know, if he's on the Suns or Miami Heat, then, you know, size isn't the biggest issue. I know the the Heat were a little undersized themselves also, but nothing like the Rockets. I think the Rockets were more of being undersized than just Russell Westbrook. We'll just have to wait and see whether these trade rumors end up coming to fruition. We're going to switch to the NFL now. Recently on the Rich Eisen Show, Lamar Jackson expressed his concerns with the Baltimore offense and its predictability, saying that defenses are calling out our plays, stuff like that. They know what we're doing, quote unquote. So, George, are you buying that the Ravens offense is getting too predictable? And if so, who is to blame for that? Yeah, I mean, if the defense is calling out your plays before you even run your plays, then that is a sign that you're getting too predictable. And I think, you know, the fall is going to go on Lamar Jackson for me because the, whoever's calling the plays for him, you know, is calling it to the abilities of Lamar Jackson. So he still needs to improve as a thrower of the football. If he's able to do that, then defenses have to respect that aspect of his game rather than daring him to throw it as they're doing right now. Also, I feel like in the back of his mind, he's constantly thinking about making highlight plays rather than the right plays that would get his teammates involved. And what I mean by that is oftentimes, if his first read isn't there or the pocket collapse, then we see Lamar, he uses his legs, which is a dynamic part of his game. But um, but the defense, that, that's what they're planning on. You know, They want him to run that that's what they're stopping they're daring him to throw in which that's how they're losing some of these games and then on top of that it's also building frustration on some of his teammates such as we saw hollywood brown when he said a few weeks back what's the point of having soldiers if you're not going to use them so lamar has to improve that part of his game if he doesn't want to continue to be predictable eric what are your thoughts yeah that's true in a way um, I might put this on the offensive coordinator a little bit as well. You know, he's going to, they're both making plays here. Of course, so is Harbaugh and Harbaugh being Harbaugh. I'm expecting Harbaugh to, you know, change things up and make things right for this team because they got to get it moving here. I mean, they still have a great record and all, but um, if, if the defenses are just calling out plays from the get go and Lamar, you know, before he even snaps a ball, um, that that's trouble, especially for the future, you know, because if teams are doing that now in the beginning of the season to the middle of the season, then it's going to be a hellfire when it comes to the end of the season and playoffs, especially playoffs and playoffs, all teams will just run loose and let you have it. So, um, I really do think Harbaugh will talk to his team, um, and talk to his staff 
offensive coordinators and all. And uh, I think they'll get this right and, and tweak a few things and hopefully they'll, they'll get this fixed. Yeah. I would, I would also blame the coaching, the coaches that are calling the plays, either that is John Harbaugh or Greg Roman, their offense coordinator. They're basically running the same system from last year. They have to switch up plays, take plays out, and put new plays in. And with all the film that's out on them, now it's easier to read them by looking at the formation and with the film. So, of course, the defense is calling out their plays. They need a, They need to do something new. They just can't keep, like you, like um, Eric said, he's looking for Lamar Jackson's looking to make spectacular plays. So the, most of the time, he's going to either run the ball. <laughs> so he, they have to do something different. They just can't put the focal point in Lamar Jackson's hands. John, I'm glad you kind of said that because I I was going to kind of bring this up too. I know you can attest to this. If you keep running the same plays. Aren't defense is going to watch film and know exactly what you're doing? And you pretty much answered that question right there with your take. The answer is yes. And so that's why. So at first glance, I heard about this and thought that Lamar is in the wrong for doing this. But then I saw who their offensive coordinator is. Greg Roman, their offensive coordinator, is one of the most bland offensive coordinators in the league. His offense is predicated on having a top 10 offensive line a running quarterback and having the focus be running the football and allowing the run game to open up the passing game. It relies on the offensive line to make plays for the running game to be successful in order for the passing game to be successful as well. To sum it up, it relies on having talent on the offensive line and the QB position so that you can do the same plays and it's going to be successful because you're just that talented. This obviously worked last year, but this year, half of the offensive linemen have been injured, and Lamar isn't as successful throwing the football as he was last year. Yet, Greg Roman, and I've seen him do this before, will not spice things up by throwing something different at the opposing defense. I wish Frank, our 49ers fan, was here because he would confirm this for me. He was the offensive coordinator for the 49ers from 2011 to 2014. And it worked at the time because they had Colin Kaepernick, who was a microwave at the time. He was just red hot. And they had a top five offensive line every year. In 2014, though, when Harbaugh and the 49ers parted ways, the offensive line started to fall apart and pieces of the offensive line either left on free agency or they retired. And this left Joe Staley as the only piece from that group remaining. What happened that year? They go eight and eight after posting three double-digit winning seasons in a row. Greg Roman's style is basic. It's not revolutionary. It relies on talent, and if the talent isn't there or isn't performing, then it's not going to work. I don't blame Lamar for speaking up because given Roman's track record, I can understand why he would want to diversify the offense. It's not like Lamar isn't smart enough to pick up on that, and it's not like he's not smart enough to diversify the playbook a little bit more and I think that's why he spoke up because a lot of the plays are breaking down on their on him and on the team, and he's forced to make something out of pretty much nothing.
we're going to move on to a different NFL topic. Now that we are over halfway through the NFL season, teams are really separating themselves as contenders or non-contenders for the playoffs. Our crew here at Highly Contested will take their picks on who they believe the most impressive team in the NFL has been. So, George, who has been the most impressive team at this point in the season for you? So the team that's been the most impressive so far for me has to be the Steelers, a team that went 8-8 eight and eight last season and now is undefeated, holds the best record in the NFL. But not only that, but this is the best start in franchise history for a franchise that is historically great, holds six Super Bowl championships. You know, many people predicted them to be good and relevant this year, but nobody thought they would be like this and have this great start. Many people questioned if Big Ben would be good again after having that injury and surgery. So uh, major credit to Coach Tomlin, who's never had a losing record. Big Ben, who's been able to come back, prove that he still has gas in the tank. And then on top of the offense being so good, so is that defense. And it just feels right when the Steelers have a top defense in the league, when they used to be called the Steel Curtain. They got playmakers all around, impressive wins over some good teams like the Ravens and the Titans, who were also undefeated when they did face off. So, you know, I think the Steelers have been impressive so far because they had major question marks coming into the season and the great start that they've had best in their own franchise. Who's been great, really impressive to me. What are your thoughts, Andrew? I see that you're hopping on my bandwagon now with the Steelers, huh? I appreciate that, George. I ain't hopping on no bandwagon. They're just been impressing. You're hopping, you're hopping on that bold prediction bandwagon. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, you you also had question marks about his elbow and that injury that he has. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I think you know, given all those factors, you know, it's it's been impressive. You know, a lot, a lot of people that they'd be in the mix again, but I don't think anyone predicted you know they'd be undefeated to this point. Yeah, I mean, that was my biggest question mark was whether Big Ben would be able to come back from his injury and be successful. And he's been very successful, in my opinion. And I think a large part also has to do with their receiving core. Their receiving core is no joke as well. Yeah, I mean, they're always able to find receivers in there. We think Antonio Brown, he wasn't a top draft pick. You know, they found a gem later on, did the same thing with Juju. Now we're looking at Deontay Johnson and Claypool. The Steelers, they just got an eye for it. But I think on top of that, coaching, man. Like I said, Coach Tomlin never had a losing season. And he's just able to make things work and make things happen. So, 100%. Eric, who is your team? Just to add on to yours, Chuck, I believe the Steelers, this could be wrong, but I believe the Steelers only had three coaches ever. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Which is insane. Totally insane. Anyway, my choice for the most impressive team so far, it's it's got to go to Miami Dolphins. I mean, Miami Dolphins are 5-3 and three and currently in the playoffs if the season ended today. Uh, they hold the number seven spot due to a tiebreaker over the Browns. Um, this is a team that was having tanking convos in 2019. They were terrible. Absolutely terrible. They were worse than the Browns terrible team and now if the season ended today they would be in the playoffs 
and it's not just that, man. I this team has finally found the right coach and the possibly the the right quarterback, um, two in that sense because this whole season started with Ryan Fitzpatrick, Fitzmagic, and this dude was playing out of his mind, and just when you think the team, you know, the, oh here comes the Dolphins, they're gonna screw this whole thing up. They they start benching uh, Fitzpatrick when things are hot. And uh, they start Tua, which, you know, it wasn't too bad of an idea, but still, you don't want to kill that, you know, that magic streak he's on. Well, they, they bench him, which he's all fine with. They go with Tua, and they're still winning games here. All right. Let me tell you which games they won, by the way. And I'm going to say some they lost, too, because there are some close ones, very close ones versus very good teams. Um, and a week one, they lost to the, the Patriots, but they did win. Uh, the first win they had was against the Jaguars. Sorry, Drew. Um, they barely lost week two. And week two is versus a very, very good Bills team, who I think is very, very close to making a Super Bowl run here this year. But uh, I they barely, barely lost to the Bills. It was 31-28 to 28 in that game. Um, they lost to the Seahawks by about a possession and a half. They completely dominated the 49ers, though they were kind of injured. Uh, anyone dominates the Jets. They they beat the Jets. They they defeat the Rams. And last time last week they defeated the Cardinals. And the Cardinals were a very very well te- uh very well good team. Um, that both have young quarterbacks. Uh, Cardinals with Kyle, uh, Kyler Murray and of course Dolphins now with uh, Tua at the lead. Um, I mean the Dolphins are just showing out right now. Like I said, they're five and three. They're taking over the NFL right now in a storm and. I want to see this thing keep going. They they face the Chargers next. The Chargers have kind of been a disappointment here. They score, and they have leads towards the end of the game. They don't finish, and then they play the Broncos. They're, they're facing the AFC West this year, so um, the only one they might have trouble with in the AFC, AFC West, uh, only two, I would say, is going to be Raiders and Chiefs. Um, I mean, and then the rest is they play the Jets again. They play the Bengals. Uh, they're going to play the Patriots again. And so it, you know, and then the, the Bills one more time. So. They could finish here going way above 500. So I want to see this Dolphins team be successful. And uh, I bet the fans right now are just celebrating because, like I said, 2019, they were tanking. And the, the year before that, they were they were in bad positions. And this is where they are right now. And they're looking really, really good. How about you, Joe? Who's your most impressive team? Uh, George, you want to say something first before I go real quick? Yeah, I'm just going to add on to the Dolphins a bit. It just seems like you get rid of – if you got Adam Gates as your coach – you hire him to tank. If you want to win or have success, you get rid of that man. We saw Ryan Tannehill leave, you know, and then he's been successful in Tennessee. We see other players that leave Adam Gates' system. They go out and succeed. We see Robbie Anderson being good in Carolina. You know, Adam Gates goes to the Jets and, you know, they're tanking again. So, you know, smart move by the Dolphins, you know, getting rid of him and now, you know, been an impressive story this season. But, uh, Joe, who's been your most impressive team so far? Yeah, there was multiple teams. You, um, George and uh, Andrew brought up the Steelers. Eric brought up the Dolphins, and uh, I had a couple other teams in mind, but I ended up choosing uh, the Colts. That that team has been impressed me so far this season. They have a really strong defense and a a pretty a pretty good offense. I could say it's not the best offense, but it's a pretty strong offense. But I love the way their defense plays. They can't. They're coming off of a seven and nine season, 
with uh, Jacoby Brissett as their a starting quarterback last year. He did okay. He won him some games. But the way Phillip Rivers is playing with him is I don't recognize this Phillip Rivers when he was on the Chargers. Sorry, Chargers fans. You guys should have got him a little, well, a little bit more help. But um, they're they're really good playoff content. They're playoff contenders, and if they keep the way that um, if they keep the way they're playing, I could definitely see them um, still in the playoffs. And like today, like on Thursday, they uh, they beat the uh, Titans, and it was a pretty impressive victory. So. Good job, Colts, and keep doing a good job. All right. So for me, the most impressive team so far, and, you know, I, of course, I agreed with you a little bit, George, with the Steelers, but they're not my most impressive team. When I look at the most impressive team, I like to think I like to think of it as the team that has improved the most and has surprised me the most, because that, in my opinion, is impressive. And that has been the Miami Dolphins, like Eric has said. Last year, the Dolphins went 5-11. and We are only halfway through the NFL season, and they've already matched their win total from last year. Tua looked like the real deal after that game versus the Cardinals, so it seems like there are more wins to come. But let's look at the numbers. They go from a bottom 10 offense to a top 10 offense with their total points per game going from 19.1 last year to 27.8 this year. The defense went from dead last at 30.9 points per game to now only giving up 20.1 points per game. They dropped over 10 points per game. That defense went from dead last in points per game allowed to fourth place in the NFL in that category. Their turnover differential last year was minus 10. This year, it's plus 5. This team is significantly better than last year, and we're only halfway through the season. George, I know you're loving what your Bills are doing, but I would be a little scared if I were you. Bills got some tough games ahead of them, and the Dolphins have an easier schedule from here. Not scared. You you saw what the Bills could do when they uh, put the smack down on the Seahawks. Mm, all I'm saying is I have a first aid kit here with your name on it because you sound a little scared. Definitely not scared. I'm not the one competing for uh, Trevor Lawrence like your Jaguars. Well, let's look. Well, we're talking about the Dolphins. We're not talking about the Jaguars. (laughs) Yeah, we're, we're not talking about the Jaguars, though. All right. So we're talking about the Dolphins here. And just want to give you a heads up that the schedule for them is easier from here. And if they win this next week versus the Chargers, which is very likely, given the Chargers' track record, they will be one game behind the Buffalo Bills. And guess what game they'll play? Week 17, Bills versus Dolphins. Will that game be for the division title? I think so. Well, sounds like you're the only one that thinks so. Bills got this. Uh, you don't think that that game will be for the division title? I don't think the Dolphins will be that. You got you got to remember Tua. He's a rookie. You know he's he's only played those two games. Yeah, he's won them, but you know still going to be a little inconsistent being a rookie. Want to put some money on that, George? Oh, <laughs> you're hearing it first, guys. We're no. making a bet here. <laughs> <laughs> don't tempt me with the good time. 
All right. What are you what are you betting on, George? Let's see. You brought it up. What do you got in mind? Fifty bucks on this game right now. Fifty bucks. You call call it a deal. All right. Sounds good. Handshaked. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. And others highly contested. All right. It is time for Joe's weekly pick'em. All right, Joe. We got the Jaguars playing the Packers. Who you got? <laughs> it's an easy one. The Packers, man. Wrong. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You're right. All right. The Texans <laughs> versus right. the Browns. Who you got, Joe? Texans, Browns. So does anyone know if Baker uh, cleared his COVID thing? Not sure, Joe. Okay. Because if Baker got cleared, the Browns are going to win. Hmm. All right. Washington football team versus the Detroit Lions. This is another iffy one because I know um, Stafford got a concussion last week. Mm. But it looks like he's been uh, full practice, so the Lions are going to win. Joe, we're going to have a divisional matchup. The Eagles versus the Giants. Okay, this one may surprise some people. But I'm going to choose the Giants with this one. I actually was kind of agreeing with you on that, too. Okay. All right. Tampa Bay Buccaneers playing the Carolina Panthers, Joe. Last week was a fluke for the Buccaneers. They just played absolutely horrible, and they're going to build some confidence with this win. All right. The Denver Broncos are going to play the Oakland Raiders, Joe. Las Vegas Raiders. Sorry, Las Vegas Raiders. <laughs> but there's my pick, the Raiders. All right. Chargers versus Dolphins, Joe. I know we're just ta- uh, briefly talking about the Dolphins, and they're going to go on and win this game. It's going to be a close match with, like, with all the Chargers games, but the Dolphins are going to edge this one out. Mm-hmm. And that will put them only one game down against the Bills, Joe. Yeah. All right, Bills versus Cardinals, Joe. Who you got in this one? Yeah, speaking of the Bills, but I think the Bills are going to lose this game and Cardinals are going to win. It's going to be an impressive victory on the Cardinals. Ooh, interesting. <laughs> that would shake things up, Joe. Yep. Seahawks versus Rams. This is another good division uh, game. The Seahawks... Uh, lost last week, and they're not going to lose this week again. I don't think they're going to lose two in a row. So the Seahawks are going to win this. I'd like to see that matchup of DK Metcalf versus Jalen Ramsey. Oh, too. that'll be a pretty good matchup right there. All right, Joe. San Francisco 49ers are going to take on the New Orleans Saints. Uh, the Saints are going to win this one because of the, all the injuries the Niners still have. The uh, the Niners just can't uh, compete with the Saints right now. All right, Joe, I got a real head-scratcher for you right now, all right? Yeah. Cincinnati Bengals versus Pittsburgh Steelers. All right. Do you guys want to hear something spectacular right now? Oh, tell us, Joe. I know Ben Roethlisberger is on the COVID list right now. Mm. So if he does play... I, I picked the Steelers to win. But if he doesn't, I'm going to choose the Bengals. But mm. from what I'm reading right now, it looks like they're practicing like he's full go. So as of right now, Steelers are going to win with Ben Ross, Big Ben. 
All right. We got the Ravens taking on the Patriots. Two mobile quarterbacks, Joe. Well, I hope the Ravens don't get their plays read because the Ravens are going to win. Hmm. All right, and then the Monday night matchup, Joe. We got the Vikings taking on the Bears, another divisional matchup. A lot of divisional matchups this week. But this is going to be a close game. The Bears are going to shut down Dalvin Cook, and the Bears are going to win this. Ooh, you think so, huh? He's been on a tear. Oh, yes, he has. But the Bears played good defense last week, and they're going to continue playing good defense this week. That's all the time we have for today, everyone. Thank you for joining us here on Highly Contested. We will post a podcast every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So be sure to stay tuned, keep with it, and be prepared to be highly contested. Have a good one. Highly contested. 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 Highly cont